Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Alrighties, welcome to Market View. Since it's Friday, it's Market Wrap of the Week. Now, before we get on our guest here to tell us more about how the STI fared in the past week, let's take a look at how the Straits Times Index is faring at the moment. It's currently 1.08 p.m. here in Singapore, and the Straits Times Index is down in the red, down 0.6% at 3,096 points. We have decliners leading the pack, decliners at 274, with advancers at 214 after 338 million securities worth 212 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now, without further ado, let's invite Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hongbin. Okay, Jeff. Okay, so it looks like the STI did open in the red today. is still mm. down in that red territory. How did the STI perform this week? You know, it is in the red, but it's also been a very, very tight trading range between 31.20 and Mm -hmm. 30.90. So that's a trading range of just less than 1%. Mm. Okay, okay. So who were the biggest movers on the STEI this week? So as you said before, the STI is around 30.96. So that's the lower part of that range. And reason being, two of the heavyweights are among the least performers. DBS Group's down 2.7%. Mm-hmm. Singtel's down 2.6%. And then DFI Retail Group is down 23 But OCBC, which is also a heavyweight, is down 2.2%. And Singtech Engineering down 2.1%. But on the upside, there's some gainers. Emperador, or Emprador, is mm-hmm. uh, 3%. Fraser Logistics Commercial up 1.9%. Maple Tree Industrial Trust up 1.8%. So quite mixed across the gainers and the decliners. But banks off a little bit, weighing the STI on the interest rate outlook, which I hope we get into in this conversation. I see, I see. Well, on the earnings front, it looks like TyBev reported its results this week, where its net profit fell 9%. How did shares respond to this? Yeah, uh, TyBev was one of the couple of actives that did actually release earnings on Wednesday night. So for TyBev, it was their full year 23 results. And going into those results, the stock price was at 54 cents. And it's now at 53 cents. So it's not off too much. Consensus target price is a little lower than where it was. It's at 74 cents now, and it was at 78 cents prior to the FY results. Overall, revenue increased 2% from last FY. And that, of course, is on that overall better outlook or improvement for Thailand's economy. And if you look at where that 9% decline was, I think it was really on the back of higher distribution costs, admin expenses and finance, and also, I think, some net loss on foreign exchange. But the other stock that also reported on Wednesday night that did actually see a significant jump in its trading turnover yesterday mm-hmm. was Franken Group. That was a more of a business update. That was a 3Q23 business update. That stock was up 7% yesterday to $1.16 and back 2% today to $1.14. Its revenue was down around 6% to between $180 and $190 million. But it's in its second half guidance, it did note that its semiconductor segment is expected to post high revenue lifted by increased sales in Europe and stable sales in Asia. So what happened in the street was that the Bloomberg, well, I'll use the Bloomberg rather than the Refinitiv as you've got Irina coming on soon, yeah. <laughs> the, the consensus target price 
is now at around a dollar twenty six, and that's up from a dollar twelve on mm-hmm. Wednesday. That's the consensus estimate target price. So Maybach Jarek seat he lifted his target price on the stock from a dollar twenty seven to a dollar thirty nine, and then DBS's Lingli Kang also re rated the stock from hold to buy mm. with the target price increasing from seventy eight cents to a dollar thirty three. I see. I see. Well, on that note, I also want to talk about Vertex Technology Acquisition Corporation, which is the first SPAC listed on the SGX. And it recently announced a proposed business combination with live streaming platform 17Live. Uh, What would this mean for shareholders of VTAC? Yeah, it's a proposed business combination mm-hmm. with that 1.7 Live. The 1.7 Live's a live streaming platform with its main markets in Japan and Taiwan. And the VTAC shareholders, they need to decide to redeem or partially redeem mm-hmm. or not redeem their VTAC shares first and foremost. Okay. So if they wish to redeem, they will need to have their physical forms in by 2 p.m. on Tuesday the 28th of November sharp. Mm-hmm. Aside from deciding to redeem or not, the unit holders also have the opportunity to vote for or against the business combination. Mm-hmm. That's actually independent of the redemption process at this stage. So in recent weeks, shareholders probably would have been getting to know this 17 Live platform, mm-hmm. and there is a wide variety of content being streamed on it, games, music, cooking, fashion, lifestyle, things I don't have time for, but mm-hmm. you, know, <laughs> yeah. you might. <laughs> I'm not sure, but its main source of revenue is from the sale of virtual gifts for live streamers, also known as V-Livers, well, V-Livers or something akin to that. But this industry is really growing at an impressive speed, especially after COVID. So, you know, as I said, I don't have time for it, but my two kids do. It is really interesting industry. Sounds like you need a vacation, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, but, 100%. Um, but um, what else should investors note about this DSPAC process? Yeah, so VTAC's proposal to acquire 17 Live, I think it's up for up to around 923 million Singh. Mm-hmm. Investors are slated to submit a vote either for or against the merger by the 20th of November at 2 p.m. as well. The votes will then be counted at the EGM, mm-hmm. which is on the 1st of December. And aside from voting, the shareholders of VTAC also have a range of options. They can opt to redeem part of or all of their shares or hold onto their shares and remain as shareholders of 17 Life. But if investors want some help in terms of a little bit of education and understanding of the process, we have created a shortcut on our website just today. That's www.sgx.com slash SPACs, S-P-A-C-S. Yeah, we just put that in place. So that's an easy one to look up, www.sgx.com forward slash SPACs. There's, you know, all the details, education processes that investors might want to be more familiar with. It's all there. Wow, thanks for that. Well, you know, Jeff, also, I want to move on from this DSPAC process and go into some economic news. Singapore's headline inflation, in fact, came out yesterday, and that rose to 4.7% in October, while core inflation was up 3.3%. What can we make of these numbers? Yeah, so the headline one, CPI, that was a big acceleration, 4.7% year-on-year, as you said. For context, that's up from 4.1% year-on-year in September. Mm -hmm. The surge in private transport prices, I think, was primarily driven by stronger car prices. Remember, we had those 
incredible COE records for October. Mm-hmm. And for the headline, looking forward though, we have more COE quota on mm. the board. We have more housing units being rolled out as well. So it's private transport and accommodation is the difference between core and headline. So this will help take the pressure off accommodation and private transport, okay? Mm. But we have to also take into account that these inflation readings could actually be a little bit more volatile in the interim. And for the core, it was more services that drove that uptick. We were expecting 3.1%, but came in at 3.3%. I see, I see. Then when do you see inflation cooling? And what will this mean for MAS's next policy move? The official estimates with for headline this year at 5%, core inflation at 4%, that's still on the cards. Mm-hmm. For the MAS's policy meeting in January, MAS is still not expected to change its monetary policy. But if we do have this element of volatility or potential stickiness in services inflation, mm-hmm. you could potentially seeing that eventual easing of monetary policy here maybe not come up as soon as we previously expected. Mm. So we'll be watching that closely. I see. Speaking of curbing inflation, though, Jeff, you know, the U.S. (laughs) has brought further uncertainty where its monetary policy is headed. What did the latest meeting minutes from the U.S. Fed that was released this week signal? I mean, have hopes for rate cuts as early as March next year declined? Yeah, you know, they've they've come back a little bit. No, you're right. You're right, because it's a marginal decline. If Mm -hmm. the odds for a 25 bips cut on 20th of March, they are now 26% expectations using CME FedWatch, Mm -hmm. and that's down from 33% a week ago. But the expectations for the full 2024, they continue to be very much anchored towards either 100 basis points or 75 basis points of Fed funds rate cuts across those full eight scheduled FOMCs next year. Mm -hmm. I guess coming into 2024 on the balance, the incoming versus outgoing FOMC voters, a little bit more balanced towards slightly more dovish with Loretta Mester, Tom Bach and Mary Daly. They seem to be more among the dovish side of the Fed cohort, where Raphael Bostic, who's the fourth incoming FOMC, is seen as the one hawk of the four. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting dynamic year. I see. Well, when do you see rate cuts then? And how will rate cuts impact this region? Yeah, it's a big, big question. (laughs) And the thing is, for the region, we're seeing this lower global growth expectation from the tighter financial conditions that we've already put in place, expected to continue to weigh global growth. So the Fed funds rate, it's not the only economic driver for the region, though. Mm -hmm. So the pulse of the China economy is also going to be very important next year, as well as where we are in the technology down cycle. So these are three key things that all stand to potentially impact the region. Current consensus projections, I think for a 2.5% to 3% global GDP growth next year. And the thing is, this is really a product of the 2022 and the 2023 rate hikes in the US and the tech business cycle and so forth continued this year to be really works in progress. So mm-hmm. the full impact of the policies per se has not been realised And for that reason, policy has been really drawn out. So Mm. looking next year, it means your Fed funds rate, the contraction in global semiconductor sales this year and the inventory overhang, and then, of course, the broader impact of the deepening 
property downturn in China, mm-hmm. that's all had a role in shaping the regional outlook this year and next year. But given it's been so drawn out this year, they do present potential inflection points next year. Mm-hmm. And should those inflection points not eventuate, though, you'd expect more like we had this year. Stocks and their investors would be expected to continue to you know, keep looking for ways to optimise their value if they're a company or optimise their risk and returns if they're investors. But that's the thing. Because these policies have been had a lot of time lag, we expect to see more results next year, which does present the potential for those inflection points. But of course, you always have that keep going, that familiar risk of potential further global geopolitical destabilisation that Mm -hmm. is always going to remain in the frame. And actually, if you look at our market here, that's been most intertwined with the geopolitics, it's the Spider Gold Shares ETF. And that's that gold price has really outpaced global and regional benchmarks over the past five years. I think it's around 9% annualised return over the last five years for gold, with mm. that being a constant, those geopolitical concerns. I see, I see. Well, before we let you go here, Jeff, is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? Yeah, there is some monetary policy meetings in the region. I think Bank of Thailand's on Wednesday and Bank of Korea on Thursday. For GDP, India is on the 30th of November, so that's Thursday, and Taiwan is on Tuesday. China also has its PMI surveys. I think you've got an OPEC and its allies meeting also on Thursday next week. And then you've got Cyber Monday in the US where the US retailers actually hold a lot of mm. special promotions. You buying anything? Sales. No, no, but maybe I should. I'll, I'll spend some time on One Seven Live as well, and, oh. and, and also look, go, go on to Amazon. <laughs> and I'll try and make the time. Yeah. Um, in terms of monetary policy decision, other than those two mm-hmm. in Asia, there's no G7 monetary policy. We will have Fed Chair Powell mm-hmm. uh, speaking on the first of December. That'll be next Friday, mm-hmm. and that should probably be the last of Fed speaker ahead of the FOMC blackout period, which will start on the second of December, right mm-hmm. through to the FOMC on 14 December. Expectations for no change by the Fed on the 14th of December. But also, you should mention, you've also got the Beige Book next week as well. Oh, wow. A lot of things to look out for. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining me today. That's a pleasure. Thanks so much, Hongbin. Thank you. We've been speaking to Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Market View with your Market Wrap of the Week. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.